So that was pretty intense. <laughs> Got to kind of get myself together here. I think just before I say anything else, I just want to say the word of God is precious. This is what gives power to those songs we're singing. How do we know he's a good, good father? It's in this word. Now, he affirms with his spirit, but we learn it from the word. How do we know all of those things? What, what gives force to those words? What keeps those songs from just being um, platitudes or things we would wish for? They're, they're rooted in this. This is what gives power to our hope. And the Holy Spirit that speaks to us and gives life to these words. So I want to look at this word today and, and just read you a little piece of it. But let's pray again. Father in heaven, we pray for your spirit to speak to us from this word because we believe it is powerful, because it tells us of the way you've made for us and of our hope for eternal life through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Magically, provision of a stool has come by the goodness of the Lord. So I will use it. All right. So I want to go to Romans chapter 16. So I got a new Bible, so I'm kind of excited. But we'll see how it goes here. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. Now I'm going to read you, these are the last three verses of the book of Romans. And it says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel... The message I could proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Now, this is typical Paul. If you've read Paul much, you know that Paul gets started on a thought. Maybe you're a little bit like this. He gets started on a thought, and that reminds him of something, or reminds him of something, or reminds him of something, and he just keeps going and going. If you really want to see the ultimate example of this, read the first part of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. It, it, literally, in Greek, it's just dependent clause, dependent clause, dependent clause, dependent clause. Just boom, 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 boom. You finally get to the end of that, and you're like, wow, what just happened to me? We just went all over the place. And this is how Paul writes. And it's important to understand that as you're reading, because let me read this to you the way a benediction really would go. So it would go like this. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what he says here. So if you break it down, this is, that's what he's saying. He's saying, to the one who's able to establish you, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. But as he gets going into it, he just can't stop. He's got to put the other stuff into it. So 
so I want to key on a couple of things here, and we want to, I want to walk through what he says here, because this is really powerful. It says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. Now, why is he saying it that way? Well, what he's saying is according to the word that I am teaching. He's not saying the gospel is about him. He's not saying he's the good news. He's just saying the one that is able to establish you according to this teaching. And he fleshes that out again. He says, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want to I stop right there. Because to understand what he's really saying, you've got to hear this. He's saying... Now to him who is able to establish you by the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message about Jesus Christ. We'll come back to this in a second. But let's go on here. He goes on and he says, In keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. So the context that he's talking about here with the gospel is he's looking at the history of Israel. He's looking at the history of the world. And he's saying, what God has revealed right now in the gospel is this glorious truth that was a mystery in the past. Now look at this, though. This is interesting, too. He says, but now revealed... And made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. So it's a mystery that has now been revealed and made known through the prophetic writings. Now think about that for a second. The prophetic writings existed, right? Yet they were not understood in full until Jesus. Have you ever read the Bible and you thought, wow, that's kind of a mystery. I'm not sure what that means. You're not alone. Many have gone to these words, and many have turned away simply because they were not able to understand. But the truth is, there's still mystery here. There still is a work of revelation going on where God is revealing great truth. And so Paul here is, is amazed in this moment, and he's talking about the gospel and the the message about Jesus Christ, which really was in there the whole time, but we could never see it until Jesus really came. Until he literally came. It was a mystery. And there's another piece to this mystery that has been revealed by the command of God. So, so remember this piece. There's a lot of words in here. There's a lot of prophecy in here. Much of it we understand. Some of it we still don't. It will not be clear until God says I'm making this clear now. So don't give up on it. Just because you don't understand now, stay with it. It may be in your life it's not clear yet. It may be God will reveal something special in it for you. Stay with it. The word is powerful. Now been revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, and now this part, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. One of the things we lose track of in our day is how unbelievable it was to Paul and the rest of the Jews that Jesus was for us. Okay, how many? There may be a few here that are Jewish. Most of us are Gentiles, aren't we? 
You see, they thought Jesus was just coming for the Jews. They didn't understand those prophecies. It wasn't until later, until the Holy Spirit was poured out on Cornelius, until amazing things started to happen, that the disciples started to say, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe this is bigger than we thought. Maybe the Gentiles are included. Well, maybe they're included, but they would have to do a bunch of stuff to get in, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Did you see what the Holy Spirit did? Maybe they can just come in. No, you're crazy. It's never been that way. I don't know. I kind of feel like it is. And they were labored with this so much so that in Ephesians as well, Paul will say this mystery kept hidden for so long that the Gentiles are part of the covenant. The fact that God's grace extends to us blew Paul's mind. Because most of our relatives were barbarians at this point. But God's grace was for us. But for what purpose? So that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. You know what another word for the obedience that comes from faith is? Discipleship. The obedience that comes from faith. That comes from believing. When you believe and what you believe finds its way into your life, that's discipleship. You start to live it. But there's only one way it happens. And that's what he says at the very beginning. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. By faith, we become disciples when we begin to live the gospel. Do you see that, how that works? Establish you in accordance with my gospel, in accordance with the reality of the message I proclaim about Jesus. And this is the great mystery. The man Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. This is the message of the gospel. And we become Christian. We talked about this in the, in the Three Angels series. We become Christian the day we are convinced. We are convicted that the man, Jesus Christ, was the Messiah of prophecy and the Son of God. Literally, truly, in the flesh. Anything short of that, well-intended, well-behaved. We can come up with a lot of positive things to say about you, but you're not Christian. If you don't literally believe that the man Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the key to the victory of God. It is the story of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And how his life, his death, and resurrection has reconnected us with the Father and opened the way for us to be forgiven and to enter into eternal life through Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to go out as his disciples and change the world. That's the gospel. But in order to be a part of it, you must believe it really happened. You can't just 
kind of grab on to the teaching and kind of eh, hang around with it or just kind of show up or, or sing about good, good father if you don't actually believe in it. This was an incredibly important point, and it was incredibly important to the disciples. I take you to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John here is talking about Jesus. And he's saying, this is real. Let me tell you how real this is. I'm an eyewitness. I'm an ear witness. I'm a hand witness. He was real. I saw him. I heard him. I touched him. He was real. And he says, this we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. That phrase takes us back to the Gospel of John. So back in the Gospel of John, very at the beginning of the Gospel of John, we find these words. In the beginning was the Word. So in 1 John, he's saying, I'm telling you about the Word. And in the Gospel of John, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Remember how we talked about this in the three angels? That, that creation is not an option for us. Now, however we're going to understand it, I don't know that we're capable of fully understanding exactly what took place there. We have the story given to us, but, but we're not neutral on this. Because God as creator is central to the story of Jesus as redeemer. So if we're going to embrace Jesus as Redeemer, we're going to need to embrace God as Creator, and we're going to need to embrace that He's coming again, or, or it's all just kind of irrelevant. So we've got to grab onto these things. So it says, through Him, the Word, Jesus, through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what he's saying over here. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Verse 2, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us now. So, so here's your Christmas verse. Here's John's nativity scene. It's a little harder to put on your mantle, but it's theological. John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see how important it is to John that you believe Jesus literally lived? He literally was the Messiah. He literally was the Son of God. Verse 3, back in 1 John. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. 
So there's a really awesome construct there. And this is how church is supposed to work. It begins with proclamation. We proclaim to you the reality of Jesus so that you will believe and have fellowship with us. And when you join the fellowship of believers, our joy becomes complete. It keeps expanding. It keeps growing. There's more. There's more. More come to believe. There's more courage in the house of God. There's more evidence of the goodness of God. More and more as we proclaim the message of Jesus. As people come to believe and join the fellowship. So let's go back to Romans 16 again. And in the context of all of that, hear these words again. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. The gospel, this is, this is all that stuff about Jesus. This is all the reality that him. So God who is able to establish you through Jesus. Through the gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. In keeping with the revelation of the mysteries hidden in long ages. Two weeks ago, Pastor Juan and Pastor Mark were talking to you about this whole experience. The upper room, you remember when Pastor Juan got here, we, we weren't doing specifically a young adult service. We were trying to get the young adult ministry going in other ways, still trying to get things going with that. But, but it seemed a good idea once a month that we would get this going. It got started very powerful, going really well. And then, then COVID came along. We got shut down. All the services were thrown into disarray. We're trying to figure out what in the world are we going to do. And it just kind of seemed like, well, let's, let's just record this every week because we're not really doing a second service anymore. We're just, we'll do the same thing at first and third and let's do this. And so we got into that cycle, into that process when we got to the end of that process, second service didn't exist anymore. We we're all just kind of like, well, I guess that was a time and that's done now. It's been crazy, but do you see how God's been leading even in the crazy? We kept going and, and now here's this service and now it's going. And, and then somewhere along the line, the, the, this warehouse idea came to be something. And, and we began to see... That God's doing a work here. And he's opening a way for a future manifestation of this whole community. One that, that has the services still that are solid in the sanctuary with folks who have believed. Many of them longer than you've been alive. They've been faithful in believing. But they're faltering, some of them. Just since I got here nine and a half years ago, just the amount of change in the community, the ones who were so key to the process that not only just stepped back, they're not even with us anymore. If, if the next generation doesn't rise up, then the church is done. Remember that. The church is always one generation from disappearing if the faith is not transmitted to the next generation. But it's a new day. It's a new time. There's different needs. Yet just when we needed it, the Lord begins opening the doors. So Pastor Mark and Pastor Juan were talking about it. And one of the things they talked about is it's an awesome experience. I'm, I'm telling you, what we just experienced here is amazing. It's powerful. 
But that's not all it is. It's only powerful because the word is powerful. It's only powerful if we walk out of here and it transforms our lives. It's only useful if it's transformational. The awesome worship is a piece of the calling, but it's not the whole calling. You see, once you believe the gospel, then you got to live the gospel. One of the things they talked about was the, the vision, the, the, the passion for God, the GPS, GPS, passion for God, passion for people, passion for service. And I appreciated the way that they fleshed this out so well. This love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's the great commandment. I mean, this, this is powerful. This is really what it's about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And, and think about that. I sometimes try to reflect on that because I, it's easy to fall into the acknowledge that the Lord is right with part of your mind. Right? To live that way? You ever fall into that trap? Instead of love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is, this is deep down believing that what the Lord has to say matters. Uh, one of the things I love in the, in the Old Testament is when the, the Old Testament writers will say, to what other people have you revealed your law? They live in fables. They don't know. But to us, you have revealed truth. That's a powerful recognition, isn't it? You look at the world, and, and sometimes in a weak moment, we might become envious of those who, who seemingly live without any sense of, uh, of propriety or righteousness or anything. It's like, oh, wow. It's miserable. It's miserable. God created us to love the Lord to love one another, to live in service. Self-centered living is a dead end. It looks attractive, but it kills you. This passion for God, the, the, the first, the greatest commandment, and then Jesus said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then service, well, that's just the natural result. When you love you serve. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. You call me Lord, and truly I am. But if I have done this for you, so you should do this for each other. Second John, verses 4 through 6. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, he's using this, this imagery, dear lady, as the church. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. It's pretty simple. But 
it's devastatingly counterculture to live the gospel is to walk in love to walk in love is to be a disciple to be committed to the purpose so so let's go back again to Romans 16 Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel. To live the gospel is to walk in love. It's to live in love. It's to be committed to, to love for God, love for people, love for service. Now who, to him who is able to establish you in all of that, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden long ages past. So we're established we become solid through God. We're able to serve and to live. And it's all a work of God through the Holy Spirit. Okay, all of this is a work of God through the Holy Spirit. Only he is able to establish us in this. However, you have got to make yourself available. You have got to make yourself available for this work of God to take place in you. And the first step of that is you have got to decide that you believe. You've got to make that decision. John chapter 20, verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Blessed, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let me give you context here. This is the story of Thomas. See, Thomas is having a hard time believing that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. So if you've ever had trouble with that, then that's okay. So did Thomas. He had trouble with that. And he said, unless I see him, I will not believe. So Jesus appears to him. He says, here, Thomas, put your hands right here. See that? Put, put your hand here in my side. And he believes. And Jesus says, that's good. I'm glad you believe. But not everybody's going to get the chance you got. Because there's going to be a whole generation of people, in fact, generation after generation after generation, who are not going to see Jesus right after he rose, except through the living word, except with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. And he says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is why John is trying so hard. He's saying, I'm telling you, it's real. I'm telling you, it happened. I know you can't see it, but you've got to believe this. We saw this. It's real. You've got to believe it. In fact, that's why John writes his book. Verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the first step is you've got to decide you believe. You've got to make that choice. And then you've got to be done with that choice. Okay, don't pull that choice out again and again. You make that commitment to faith. And then you walk in it. Okay, you don't keep changing your mind. Every little thing that comes up. Because stuff will come up. Devil throws stuff out there. It'll come up. You'll be challenged. You'll have to rethink stuff. But don't rethink faith. Establish that. Decide it. Settle it. I am a believer 
in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Settle that, then deal with life. So settle that first. And then the second step is decide to live your belief. First you decide to believe. Then you decide to live it. How do you do that? Well, you got to participate. you got to be a part. One of, it is, one of the things is this. Do not neglect gathering together, the scripture says, because we build each other up in this environment. This is powerful. This is good for us. It's good for us to be with fellow believers. It strengthens our hearts. So you participate. The second thing is you have to choose to spend your time. So here's how that goes. So uh, one of the awesome things about being Adventists is we have Sabbath. And it's been with us, and we get it. And, and so unlike a lot of other people, we know we get a day off from all the crazy so, so we don't immediately after church go to the grocery store and then go to the hardware store and then start building this at the house and start all these other... It, it doesn't mean you don't have projects to do. It just means you don't have to. How awesome is that? God gave you a day off. So we take that. We take that day. We get it. But we've kind of assigned that to God. Sabbath, yeah, I do that. So, so that's good. So we got all the good from it, but sometimes we get a little bad from it. And here's the bad we get from it. But the other six are for me to do whatever I want. Well, okay, that's kind of true. But, but here's where it's not fully true. You can't get enough from this. And this is one of the things Pastor Mark was talking about, Pastor Juan were talking about. If all you're doing is coming to this, you're getting a, you're getting a hyper boost once a week. But then it's just a downhill slide the rest of the way. And, then, whoa, and this is your life. That's not the plan. That's not living the gospel. You got to choose to spend your time. Well, doing what? Well, Bible study. The word's alive, but if it's not in you, it doesn't matter. Bible study, prayer. And that might mean 30 minutes earlier in the morning. I have to do it in the morning. I'm just too spent at night. So I have to get up. Get up in the morning. I have a plan. I'm a mess if my plan gets messed up. But I have a plan. And it works. And it's worked now how long? 15, 16, about 16 years. Yeah, I've been on my plan about 16 years. Amazing. You got to have a plan. But there's more than that. There's also group life. There's participation. There's, there's decisions you make to fellowship with your brothers and sisters that are a part of the church. And you got to go out of your way to do it. And it's hard. It's tricky, particularly when you got young kids. We had small groups for most of our most of our years. But as the kids got older, it got tougher and tougher. And there were different challenges. And, 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 and so these last few years, it's been harder for us to maintain that consistency with it. But man, do we have some amazing friendships that go back to the result of that experience. People who pray for us, people who care about us, people who come to see us. That's how you build that. That's how you get to be a part of things. But you've got to make those conscious choices to do it. So you participate, you choose to spend your time, and you serve. 
This is how we live the gospel. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. So I love those words that he says there. You could read that wrong and you could think, well, that's, maybe that's a little pretentious. But, but I want you to hear Paul's heart here. He's saying, I care about you and this is the reason I'm telling you about Jesus. That's why he's calling it my gospel that I proclaim about Jesus Christ. And, and to that end, I want to join Paul in that. Because I want you to believe my gospel too. I want you to believe in the Jesus I proclaim too. Because I've been blessed to be called to be a part of, of the ones who get to proclaim and it's such an unbelievable honor that no one is worthy of. But it's such a blessing. And I want you to believe it. And I want you to be established in it. And it's a particularly poignant point to me right now. Because I have been privileged to proclaim the gospel here. For the last nine and a half years. But without anticipation and not expecting it. And not wanting it and not looking for it. The same Lord that tapped on my shoulder when we were in Marietta and said, I want you to go to Forest Lake. And I want you to take the family. And I want them to grow there. tapped on our shoulders again and said, your time is done at Forest Lake. And I have a new work for you and Alicia to do. And we don't even know what it all is yet. But we do know that this is the last month that we have the privilege of being the senior pastor family for this church. And in January, we're off to Boulder, Colorado, where they don't have a Justin and a Juan and a Mark and a lot of the other pieces. Pastoring this church really has been a fulfillment of my fondest dreams in ministry, the fact that I would get a chance to lead an amazing community like this, that, that in that time we would build this remarkable children's ministry building, that, 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 that all of the different things, that this would happen, this service, this, this reality that's growing, that really gives me courage for the future, the long-term future of this whole community. It's been the fulfillment of my fondest wish and there's a certain freedom in that. It's kind of fun to have achieved your life goal. And here's the truth. I'm, I'm older than I was when I got here. I was 46. How old are you now, Mark? I'm not saying. Yeah. <laughs> I was about Mark's age when I got here. So there's hope. There's hope for Mark. I was about Mark's age. I'm 55 now. You know, I'm 10 years from legal retirement age. It's kind of fun to think about.
God has something else in mind for the next step. It's been my privilege to be a part of this step. And I, I think one of the most exciting pieces of it was, was to watch the transition from, from what was a history of Forest Lake Church that was powerful and amazing with a staff here that was just remarkable people. But all of them, Pastor Barb in the back, I mean, 30-some years, which is a miracle that you're still in your 40s and you worked here 30, 30-some <laughs> years. The, the people that poured their life into making this what it is today. But then to see that season ending and to watch as God brought the pieces. Justin, Juan, Julie, Jeremy, Pastor Tim. You just keep going down the line to see the amazing work that God has done and how he's prepared this community for the next reality. But here's the thing. As awesome as Pastor Justin is, Pastor Juan, Pastor Mark, as awesome as they are, they're appointed to lead. But the success of the journey of the upper room in the warehouse is not for them to achieve. It happens when the community embraces the vision. It happens when the community grabs on to the mission. And if it happens any other way, it's unhealthy. Because if it happens any other way, when that key leader who's driving everybody goes away, the whole thing just falls apart. The only change that lasts is when the community itself grabs onto it. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Christ Jesus. Amen. Only God can permanently establish this work. It's amazing to look around this room, Lizette, you were in Alicia's class in eighth grade. It was amazing. Emily, you were a kindergartner when I got here. Sierra, you weren't even that. And now you're a star on my soccer team. You better be there Tuesday. The Lassell boys used to be able to look down on the top of their heads. Now I can barely see their chins. Isla used to write me notes in church and she'd come to the door and hand them to me. I still have them. Fabulous. I pray someday a lovely young girl hands you notes that they wrote in church. That's just like the best thing ever. Just go around this room and the experience of being here with this community. Alejandra, we go back. We go back. Experiences that Nate went through here. And how this church was with us when Alicia went through her year of cancer madness. Kalea's over here. She's also a soccer star. So many of you that have meant so much to us. But 
God is doing a great work here. And we've been privileged to see the beginning of it, to just glimpse, you know, Moses on Mount Pisgah, right? Looking into the promised land. God is opening this. And this is going to be amazing. But it's got to be established through, through the group, through the community. And it's got to stay connected with the older generation. And the beautiful thing is we have this children's building that sits between the warehouse and the sanctuary that is the common ground. It's the point where we all come together. So it's Christmas-ish. It's December anyway. And there's a line in one of the Christmas carols that I love because I think it captures what what um, Paul is trying to talk about here. It's the last verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And because Ricardo's so awesome, he's playing that. So that's really cool. Thank you, man. But it goes like this. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Remember I said the word is alive. Well, that's what gives power to these Christmas songs because Isaiah says that he's the Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. That comes from Malachi. Life and light to all he brings. That's John, right? In him was light, and that light was the life of men. Risen with healing in his wings. That's Malachi again. That goes with the Son of Righteousness peace. Those two go together. Mild he lays his glory by. This is the story of the gospel, the life of Jesus. Born that man no more may die. <laughs> Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's unless you're born again you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven I mean this is this is just driven by the word of God the power hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king so here's how it goes if you're going to be established in the gospel if, if, if what Paul is praying here at the end of Romans is to happen in your life begins with your connection to Jesus, with your conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that you choose that, that that's your faith, that that's your foundation, that's where you stand. Everything else can be challenged. That ground never gives the solid spot. Begins with a connection to Jesus and then a commitment to live the gospel. And let me ask you this. Were you planning on doing something else with your life other than giving it to Jesus? Let me think about that. Because it's easy to default into a life where you think you're doing something worthwhile. But let me tell you something. You're going to get older. You're not going to be as strong as you used to be. You're not going to be able to do everything you used to do. We can't sustain our lives. You can't give your life to work and still have it. You can't give your life to pleasure and still have it. Only if you give your life to Jesus is there the promise of that eternal life. 
Think about it. Listen to Jesus in your heart. Be serious in your heart. Jesus bought you with his death. And you belong to the Father. The good, good Father. What else were you going to do with your life? Let's live it for Jesus. Let's make this happen.